As has been stated in prior teachings on the seven nations, the Israelites had, a, had to evict, correspond with seven mountains of influence we must evict in our lives. And we cannot commingle. We can't just get along. We must drive out the inhabitants of the land. All right, those mountains previously mentioned were the Hittites, the mountain of media, the Girgashites, the mountain of government, Amorites, the mountain of education, the Canaanites, the mountain of economy, Perizzites, which we'll talk about today, the mountain of religion, the Hivites or Hivites, Hivites, the mountain of celebration or arts and entertainment, and the Jebusites, Jebusites, the mountain of family. So we discussed the mountain of religion. The name Perizzites means unwalled, rustic dwellers. The Perizzites lived among the Rephaim. They were the giants. When the children of Israel sent the, the uh, spies into the land, they saw, they did see a nation or nations greater, greater in size and mightier than they were. But they had the Lord on their sides. They were village, the Perizzites were village dwellers, no wall protection, and they had very little provision. Now, we can talk all day about religion. The, the scope of this, uh, of the mountain of religion, is so wide and so vast that we wouldn't be able to cover it in the two minutes that I have that Pastor Carolyn gave me to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> so I, we have to narrow it for our discussion today. There are many religions in the world. And to tell you the truth, many of those religions are on top of that mountain, to include Christianity. There are, the top four uh, religions are Christianity, which, according to Johnny Enlow, is the, the fastest growing religion in the world. Praise the Lord. Uh, with 2.1 billion followers. Islam is second with 1.2 billion followers. Hinduism, 900 million adherents, and Buddhists make up about 375 million. By the way, there are approximately 14 million Jews, and they're, you know, not only in Jerusalem, not only in Israel, but quite a... In, all over the all over the world. I really don't want to get bogged down with statistics uh, because it's it's great information, but we want transformation rather than information. Many atrocities have been done have been done in the name of religion. Nine eleven comes to mind. Islamic extremists rammed two planes into the World Trade Center and and one into the Pentagon in the name of religion, in the name of what they believed to be, they believed they, they were doing the right thing. The Crusades also come to mind. Uh, the clash between Christians and Muslims for centuries in order to hold what they considered sacred ground. Jerusalem. And the list goes on. There is one thing most if not all religions share in common, even, even Christianity. Idolatry. I think we need to narrow the scope of 
talk about religion to that one thing, idolatry, because it it snares even Christians. And you say, you know, Christians are not idol worshipers. Well, let's look at the, the definition of idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of an idol or cult image being a physical image such as a statue or a person in place of God, in place of God. In uh, Abrahamic religions, namely Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, idolatry connotes the worship of something or someone other than God as if it were God. If we remember the children of Israel who also saw God waiting for Moses so long to come down from the mountain, figured, well, and we don't know what happened to him, so we're going to go ahead and make something and call it God, and this is the God that brought us out of Egypt reminds us of things that's happening today we uh we don't want to wait on the lord we don't want to wait we and especially in this country and don't don't get me started uh we we are we are a blessed country that's true we are a blessed nation and we have so many conveniences that that the 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 subject of convenience has permeated our entire being to the point where we don't want to wait on the lord we don't we don't have patience we we give we we give him a timetable uh, but i digress let me let me uh, get back onto uh it is in effect placing your love for god in a role other than at the top of your mountain of worship in this case anything can take the place of god and there's a list, the top of the list, and I know this for from personal experience, the top of the list of taking something away from God in my heart, the mountain of God, is me, self. We Christians don't bow down and worship a craven image that is an image made with our own hands, but let's see what the Bible says about such images. Psalms 115 starts with verse 4. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither can they make a sound with their throats. They who make idols are like them. So are all who trust in them and lean on them. It is the intent of the parasite king to turn worship away from the one true God. The worship of the father in spirit and in truth to a substitute of his own making. In our worship of idols, it renders our spiritual abilities, our ability, our ability to discern the kingdom of God around us, inactive. Psalm 115.8 says, those who make idols are like them. So are all who trust in them and lean on them. So, if there is an idol in your heart, even self, it hinders your ability to discern the kingdom of God, which for Christians is within you. It makes it, it makes it, you hard to hear the word of the Lord coming to you. It makes you it makes it hard for you to see into the spirit. Anything spiritual, it hinders that ability if you have an idol 
in your heart. The king of religion wants you to get so bogged down with keeping your mind on things other than the face or presence of God. In this way, even that which seems good can be an idol. It's the difference between Mary and Martha. As you remember, in Luke 10:38, and Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Preparing dinner is a good thing. Tell her to come and help me. And this is what Jesus said. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And that comes from the New Living Translation. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. In everything that we go through in life, and that's, that's a little extra, that's free of charge, there is only one thing worth being concerned about, and that is the Lord Jesus. Martha made an idol out of her service to the Lord. Mary chose to sit at his feet to be as close to him as possible. But let's go on. There is one thing that sets apart Christianity from all other religions. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Three religions are monotheistic, which uh, I had to, had to look that word up. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Worship of only one God, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Muslims say they worship the same God as Christians, but in truth, it's a religious spirit. There are other religions which use usurped power of spirits, but it's an illegitimate power. The power of the Holy Spirit is the true power to change the lives of, to heal, to prosper, and to completely bless worshipers. Many of us won't take advantage of his powers because we don't want to sacrifice all, and because, or because we don't know what the power, that power truly entails. When I first got saved, I thought that, that uh, all I had to do was know the word. Learn the word, know the word, backwards and forwards, so, so to tell you the truth, so that I could have an argument, really, for anybody that wanted to say anything. That, and that's not really using the power of, of the word. That's not the purpose for learning the word. I've, this week I, s I saw on YouTube, and there are quite a few that, that discourage you from, try to discourage you from, from listening to certain individuals like Bethel Church or, or, or because, first of all, they don't understand what, what's really coming out of the Word. They, had, they don't have the revelation. And they think that, well, since I learned this in seminary or whatever, this must be the truth rather than getting revelation from the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with seminary. Nothing wrong, just so you know. Nothing wrong with getting an education from the seminary. But it does not you it does not surpass it is not better than 
revelation from the Holy Spirit. Whenever there is something that comes out that that seems kind of strange to me that from the word of God, if I don't agree with it, I will say I don't agree with it. I will not deem that individual a heretic because they don't line up with the way I think. I would imagine that we are a body of believers and we think similarly the same way generally. But I don't think there are two Christians that agree about every single thing. So nobody has the market cornered on truth. We do the best we can and, and I believe the Lord honors that even if sometimes our doctrine may not be correct. But I'm not going to name somebody a heretic because I disagree with what's coming out of his mouth. I'm just going to say I disagree with it. I could be wrong. That was also free. Many of us won't take advantage of his power. And one of the other things is we don't recognize uh, that it's not our power, but it's his power. Romans 8 and 4 says, So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. The righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. We don't have to, like many other religions, we don't have to adhere to a set of rules, to a set of do's and don'ts. If we follow and the, the Holy Spirit within us, it has accomplished all that is needed. There are rules. There are things that we should do and should not do. But to do those things and not do those things without the, Holy, without the power of the Holy Spirit is religion. And I did that for the first 20 some odd years of my Christian life. Did it because the word, because it's that's what it said in the word not to do not necessarily and it, maybe there was nothing wrong with it but it has to be it should be by the power of the holy spirit galatians 5:16 says as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the holy spirit you will abandon the crazing cravings of your self life i'll say that again since somebody said it was good I'll say it again. As you yield fully and freely to the dynamic life, dynamic, the powerful life of the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. So what that means, what that is saying to me is that I don't have to strive to stop doing this or to do this or that. All I have to do is listen and obey that inner voice of the Holy Spirit within me and the self-life, if I, that inner voice gets ascendancy in my, in my life, the self-life goes down and down and down and down and down. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him, Galatians 5.25. My mom, I've told this story before, and, uh, but I think it's it's uh, appropriate to tell it again. My mom and her family in Panama uh, got saved during a Billy Graham revival in, in that area a long time ago. And uh, 
all of my mom's family that still live in Panama are still saved. Uh, they they joined a denominational church. The uh, pastor uh, brought the church over here to uh, to America and and put it in Brooklyn, New York. And my mom attended that church. Uh, but once again, the this particular church had a set of rules. And I know for a fact, if you just live by the set of rules, you may have a little joy to begin with, but after a while you wonder, is there anything else? Is, is there not, is, if, is this all there is? So I imagine my mom had the same question and uh, did not get an answer. So growing up, she taught us the, the word. She taught us the, the Lord's Prayer. She taught us the, the 23rd Psalm. She taught us the Ten Commandments. And the Bible says, bring up a child in the way that they should go. And, they'll, they'll, and when they are old, they'll not depart from it. And uh, she did a good job of doing that because just about every single day we were someplace in, in the Word. We spent a lot of family time. But she had a form of godliness. We had a form of godliness, but denied or did maybe didn't even know about the power thereof. Consequently, uh, something happened in the church, and she turned away, and she became a Buddhist and still is a Buddhist today, and that happened in the early 70s. But she did her job with her children so well that uh, even though she brought that, that whatever they call it in the house uh, and started praying to it, tried to get us to do it, I did it a little bit, but it just, it, uh, I, the back of my mind, wait a minute, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That just stuck in my mind the whole time. So consequently, uh, the seed that she planted early on in our life, I got saved. Uh, but my my course took the basically the same course as hers. The law, the word, knowing the word, but not having the power. But we're coming along to recognizing that the uh, there are so many things that are available to Christians in, in seeking the, the spiritual realm. The, the presence of the Lord that can go with you all the time, the, the seeing of angels, the, the, the hearing the voice of the Lord. So many things that he has provided for us we just didn't know about because all we thought was you go to church on Sunday, pray. And uh, read the Bible. That was it. And now the the uh, the kingdom of God, which has been placed in us, is starting to open up. Praise the Lord. Uh, I went off on a tangent, but uh, I'll uh, I'll come back. We can be the ones of whom it is said. But you need to be aware that in the final days, this is Second Timothy starting at the uh, three, starting at the first verse. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. 
They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. And I believe that's the Passion Translation. They are always learning, but never discover the re revelation knowledge of the truth. There are so many of us Christians who, by virtue of man's doctrine, deny the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of keeping quiet about that which we don't understand, we brand the ones who have received a deep revelation of the risen Christ and his Holy Spirit heretics. And as I said before, it's because their doctrine doesn't fit our understanding of the word of God, which man teaches without the benefit of revelation. No one individual has the market cornered on truth. I sure don't. The religious spirit, the parasite king, wants, us to, wants to keep us from that revelation. And there is only room for one true religion on that mountain. Isaiah 2 and 1 says, This is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out, of, out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For the Lord has rejected his people, the descendants of Jacob, because they have filled their land with practices from the east and with sorcerers as the Philistines do. They have made alliances with pagans. Israel is full of silver and gold. There is no end to its treasures. Their land is full of war horses. There is no end to its chariots. Their land is full of idols. The people worship things they have made with their own hands. And by the way, let's take a look at that. All right, so we have inherent in, in our creation a uh, desire to worship. But if it's not the right worship, we fashion something with our own hands. It just seems illogical to me. You make something of wood, stone, or metal. 
you place it up on something and then you bow to it something that you made to worship how can how can people that have seen the glory of the Lord seen the miracles of the Lord heard his voice and after 40 some odd days still make a graven image craven image and bow down and worship it uh, this is not in the script but I'll tell you it's because they did don't have the fear of the Lord this week this week I, I was listening to to a and I don't remember I can't pronounce his name but he said if you only had one wish if you only had one wish to, that the Lord would grant what would it be would it be to hear his voice Israel heard his voice and they still built a craven image would it be to see his glory Israel saw his glory and they still built an idol would it be to see his to see his face to see miracles Israel saw miracles and they still built a craven image the difference between Israel and Moses was Moses had the fear of the Lord in the fear of the Lord is everything that we could ever desire the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him there is no want to them that fear the Lord so in in the fear of the Lord is ev everything glory the glory of the Lord the power of the Lord the miracles everything that we could ever imagine that we ever wanted is all wrapped up in the fear of the Lord that's free I'll continue on so now this is uh, Isaiah 2 and 9 so now they will be humbled all who will be brought low do not forgive them. Crawl into caves and in the rocks. Hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. Human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies lays a, has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty and the bring down everything that is exalted. These we're talking about are idol worshipers and the idols. He is not only judging the idol worshipers he is judging those so-called gods that they worship he will cut down the tall cedars of Lebanon and the mighty oaks of Bashan he will level all the high mountains and all the lofty hills he will break down every high tower and every fortified wall he will destroy all the great trading ships and every magnificent vessel human pride will be humbled and human arrogance will be brought down only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment idols will completely disappear when the Lord rises to shake the earth his enemies will crawl into holes in the ground they will hide in caves in the rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty on that day of judgment they will abandon the gold and silver the idols they made for themselves to worship they will leave their gods to the rodents and bats while they crawl away into caverns and hide among the jagged rocks in the cliffs they will try to escape 
the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty as he rises to shake the earth. And it will take the power of the Holy Spirit to go up and possess that mountain. And it will take obedience to his leading. This is the Holy Spirit. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. Verse 18, I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. John 16 and 7 says, but here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the divine encourage will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. It is a daunting task to take this mountain. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are well able. There are giants in the land, but they will be bred for us. So what is our job? What, what must be, we do? There is not room enough at the top of this mountain for all those religions. We, just like the children of Israel, we've been called to go in and possess the land. There's only room on the top of this mountain for one true God, Yeshua. He is Lord. Go in and possess the land, for the Lord has given it to us for an inheritance. We are to go in and possess the land, for the Lord has given it to us as an inheritance. Now, just as in Israel, as in the people of uh, God, he has given it to us, but we have to go in and possess it. We have to be the army of God, which was spoken of earlier. We have to be the army of God and go in and eradicate those nations, the parasites that are, and the giants that are up on that mountain. The battle starts in our mind. We must allow Holy Spirit to direct us in the battle, and if we do that, we are assured of victory. The Hittite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, along with the Rephaim, the Hivite, and the Jebusite must be eradicated out of the land so that the children of God can show the way to him. This is what the word of God says in Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. 23, listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith, believe, and having no doubt mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe that you received it and it will be yours. I believe. So we need to go in and possess the land. We fight the good fight of faith by proclaiming Jesus, not necessarily all the time uh, claiming, 
going against other religions. We fight that fight of faith by proclaiming Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is enough. And we go in and praise to take those other nations, the, the giants, off of that mountain. 